You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. So today we're going to talk about embracing the awkward. And you can't call a message embracing the awkward and not supply a little bit of that awkward for context. So I'm going to start with an embarrassing story. Before moving to Canby, I lived in Thailand for four months. And as soon as I got there, I was really excited to start getting to know the people, trying out the language, getting to know the culture. And so I used the language as often as I could. And I was in an area where English wasn't really spoken. And as I was going through markets, one of the first phrases I learned was the phrase for, I'm sorry or excuse me. So I would be in really crowded markets, and as I would weave my way through the crowds bumping into people, I would very quickly say this phrase for, I'm sorry, or excuse me. And oftentimes, when I used this phrase, the locals would chuckle, and I assumed it was just a, oh, how cute, she's trying our language, and I would go about my, ver- my merry way. A month later, I started Thai language class. And we were going over basic phrases, and the teacher came to this phrase for, I'm sorry, or excuse me, and she said, no matter what you do, do not say this phrase quickly. Because if you do, it means I have to fart. (laughs) Yes. I sat there in horror as I realized I had spent the past month running through markets proclaiming to absolute strangers that I had to fart. (sighs) There were times when living in another culture was awkward and uncomfortable. I made some pretty embarrassing mistakes, as I just shared, but there were also incredible things that came out of that time. As I tried the language, even though I felt silly, I got to know people as they recognized that effort. And relationships and bridges were built through embracing the awkward. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I'm going to borrow from Pastor James here with our idea of the sermon in the nutshell. This is basically a soundbite version of what we're going to talk about today. We are called to reflect the character of God. Sometimes that's awkward. Our neighbors are worth the awkward. So I'm going to give a little bit of context before we dive in. This month, we have been exploring the heart of being with. We've talked about being empowered to witness. We've talked... Um, Pastor Ron and Annette shared about being everyday peacemakers and confronting our racial biases or prejudice towards other groups of people and working past those so that we can be a people of reconciliation. Pastors Alpha and Monica talked about putting ourselves in those places of growth and making discipleship our responsibility. Now, it would be super great if we came, gathered on Sunday, And then every time after a sermon, we walked out of those doors, knowing these these concepts, ready to apply them, and it felt like this, the cone of happiness. It was perfect. If 
We were perfectly empowered to share the gospel, and we knew when and how and exactly what to say and felt comfortable doing it. If we never struggled with prejudice or bias towards another group of people, or if that process of discipleship was easy, if I said yes to Jesus and suddenly I was perfect and never made any mistakes anymore. Reality is often different than what we're aiming for. Oftentimes, trying does not always match the blueprint or the layout or the sermon or the Pinterest instructions. Nonetheless, we need to be engaging and pressing into these things. But we also need to acknowledge the tension and the difficulty here. That when we try, sometimes our snowman is going to look a little more like a snow monster or a snow blob. And when we try, sometimes the creature that looked like a lamb on Pinterest might actually look like a blob wearing a British Parliament wig. (laughs) Engaging in these things can be awkward. It can be awkward to share the gospel. Being empowered by the Holy Spirit does not always mean you're going to be comfortable doing what he has empowered you to do. Or even feel or want to be all that empowered to do it. Confronting racial bias is awkward and messy. It's awkward as we wrestle with the reality that we all have certain feelings towards groups of people and we struggle to get along with people that look or think different than us. It's also awkward externally. As we work past that and we step out in that process of getting to know our neighbors, it's messy. Discipleship, being intentional about discipleship can also be awkward. Essentially, you're inviting somebody to see all the crud in your life and walk alongside you in it. You're inviting them to ask those questions of where am I not showing the love of Jesus? You're inviting somebody to ask, is how much I use my phone showing the love of Jesus? Is what I use my phone for showing the love of Jesus? Am I showing the love of Jesus when I haven't slept enough? Or when it's hot outside? Or when there is an extra commercial on Hulu? Or when somebody steals my parking spot? All of this can be awkward and uncomfortable, but it is so worth it. Our neighbors are worth feeling awkward for. Jesus is our ultimate example here. He chose life on this earth, and as we're going to see, he was not afraid of the awkward. So we're going to dive into scripture, and then we're going to look at three different components of embracing the awkward. First, we're going to look at the barriers. What makes this difficult? What prevents us from embracing the awkward as we love our neighbors? Next, we're going to look at the why. Why should we care? Why should we press on when it's uncomfortable? And then we're going to conclude with the practical. How do we do this? How do we love our neighbors? Let's start by looking at a little bit of the awkward in Jesus' life. So we're going to be in John chapter 8, so you're welcome to open your Bibles. If you don't have one, there's one under the seat in front of you, or you're welcome to follow along on the screens. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, 
At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Women, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, sometimes talks or sermons, when they focus on this passage, focus on the social, Jesus' willingness to cross social barriers or the undeserved grace shown to vulnerable parties or Jesus humbling all the religious authorities. And he did all of those things. But let's focus on the awkward parts of this story. How did Jesus, as our example, handle the awkward in this encounter. One thing that made it awkward was the situation. Jesus went to a synagogue. There was a group of people. They gathered around him. And so what he did is he started proclaiming truth. He essentially started preaching a sermon. And in the middle of his sermon, the religious authorities walk in. Hey, Jesus, hold on. We found someone doing something bad. This was awkward. Jesus was doing the right thing. He was proclaiming truth. He was showing love in that way. And then the situation changed, and all of a sudden, there was a different, significantly less comfortable, right thing for him to be doing. Position is another thing that can make these things awkward. The religious authorities in this setting would have held the power. They would have been respected. By Jesus' audience, they might have even been feared. Confronting social power can be awkward. Jesus is risking his reputation here. But the value and the worth of the woman in front of him surpassed Jesus' need to be accepted. Next, we have the awkwardness of vulnerability. When you have been hurt, mistreated, abused, rejected, you build walls of self-preservation. Women in this setting would have built those walls, would have been in this setting. You'll notice that the man does not enter the scene, even though adultery requires two people. So when Jesus intervenes on this woman's behalf, he's intervening for the most vulnerable party. Suspicion on behalf of this woman would have been reasonable. 
she had been hurt before. What if this offer of help was just a door to more pain? What if he was mocking her? What if he wasn't genuine? What if it was just another person trying to humiliate her? These very well, now we don't know, but these very well may have been thoughts because oftentimes when you've been hurt, there is that fear of accepting help. By stooping down, defending, and getting in front of her, Jesus risked not only being rejected by the people, he also risked having his compassion and outreach rejected. Lastly, there's the awkwardness of challenging social norms. In a culture so concerned with what is clean and unclean, Jesus stoops down onto the ground and starts riding in the dirt. This is not a normal reaction to tense situations. There is a lot going on. There are questions and accusations flying. And Jesus doesn't impulsively react in the awkward. He doesn't try to fill the silence for the sake of filling it. He also doesn't walk away or run away because it's awkward and tense and uncomfortable, and they were trying to trap him. Jesus embraces the awkward because this woman was worth feeling awkward for. Jesus did something unconventional because in that moment, that may have been the only thing that could be heard. Now, let's talk about why this matters. Just kidding. Let's talk about the barriers. (laughs) So, zooming into our lives, let's look at what keeps us from embracing the awkward. Firstly, fear. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I offend someone? How will I look when I do it? How will I look when I love my neighbors even when it's awkward? What if I do it wrong? Next, ambiguity. Ambiguous situations can be awkward. Oftentimes, we don't like those situations where I'm unclear about what my role is or what I'm supposed to do or when we can't predict the outcome. Lastly, embracing the awkward is difficult. It's hard to start a conversation with strangers or people you know. Knowing how to support someone who needs it is also difficult. These are some of the barriers and the tensions we face. Okay, now let's talk about why it matters. We are, why we need to embrace the awkward. Number one, we are called to reflect the character of God. We're called to reflect the character of God so that the watching world can catch glimpses of what the God we serve is like, so that they can start asking questions about who is this God? Why are you so different? Before Jesus walked on this earth, God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved in Egypt. God acts with compassion, intervenes, and rescues the Israelites. After rescuing them, God leads his servant Moses to set up a social structure or a society in which Israel would act as a nation that was just, loving, compassionate, righteous, 
mostly radically different than the surrounding nations. The reason for that was because they served a radically different God. And they were reflecting that God to the watching world. At one point, God tells his people, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. At its root, this word for holy means different or distinct. God has never shied away from being different because there is a broken and hurting world that so desperately needs him. And he wants to rescue that. And he wants to rescue us. He wants to rescue our neighbors. He wants to redeem. He wants to set right. So this means that if we're going to reflect God's character, we need to be radically different as well. We can't shy away when it feels awkward because God's love is intentional and it engages and it embraces even when it's awkward. We also need to embrace the awkward to be with. Not knowing what to say or what to do or what your role in a situation is can be awkward. But at times, that might be because in some situations, you're not supposed to do or say anything. Sometimes what's needed is the power of presence, the gift of being with, the gift of someone who is hurting, knowing that there is someone right beside them who even though they don't have the solutions or the answers, will just be there. We can show the love of Jesus by being there. Embracing the awkward is also a way to steward what God has given you. I have a question for you all. Raise your hand if you've ever been called stubborn. Okay, good portion. So, I'm the youngest by seven years. And one of the many advantages of having older siblings is that they so kindly help you recall your childhood accurately. <laughs> they tell me, my older brother and sister tell me, that when I was little, one of my favorite phrases was, it's my decide. Apparently, I was stubborn. Now, stubbornness is often seen as a vice. But what if we started seeing personality wirings differently? If you are stubborn, what if you directed that tenacity and grit towards refusing anything less than what God has for our community and our neighbors, even when it's awkward? If you're creative, what if you directed that creativity and that wiring that is a gift of God towards helping us stubborn people find actually good things to be stubborn about? Even when it's awkward. If you are a logistics or a by-the-book or a practical stuff person, what if you could help us stubborns and the creatives find effective ways to love our neighbors and not get sued while we do it, <laughs> even when it's awkward. 
what if we started seeing the way we were wired as stewardable resources? Now, stewardship is not just about physical resources, time, space, money, though it includes those things. But what else have you been given? How have you been wired? Are we going to let the fear of the awkward hinder us from living out the call to love our neighbors? Lastly, we need to embrace the awkward to learn. Now, psychologists have studied the neural mechanisms that operate in the brain when we make a mistake. And they found something fascinating. When when we make mistakes, our brain cells or neurons send signals to the parts of the brain where learning occurs. Essentially, when we make a mistake, we learn. I have a story to illustrate this. So a few years ago, I came across an article that talked about the benefit of using names as soon as you meet someone. It helps people feel valued, it helps you remember the names, all things I want to do. So I was really excited to start applying this knowledge. After this discovery, I was eager to try it out at the next social function I went to. And while I was there, I met a Russian gentleman in his 50s or 60s, and he introduces himself, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I say, hi, nice to meet you. And I should have stopped talking there. But somehow, between the excitement of meeting new people and applying this new knowledge and being at a social gathering, my brain did not get the joy, stop talking signal to my mouth. So I said to this stranger, nice to meet, oh, I realized I didn't actually listen when he said his name and didn't get that stop talking signal. So I said, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. That effectively ended the conversation. Because of this awkward situation, assisted by lots of mistake neurons, I have been so much more intentional and better about actually listening to the names before I try to repeat them. When we make mistakes, we learn. Awkward experiences can be great teachers about how to get better at loving our neighbors. When we make mistakes, we learn. Now, let's dive into the practical, because oftentimes, information alone is not enough. You'll see this picture of precision versus significance. Information, what we actually do. First of all, know that God might give you the courage after the obedience. I'd encourage you to go look at the story of Gideon in the book of Judges at some point this week. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school, which some of us did, some of us didn't, you might have heard of Gideon before. He's often described as this great and mighty warrior for the Lord. But when we start the story, we actually see him cowering and hiding from enemies. Israel was under attack, and he's threshing wheat behind a wine press, which is an activity you would normally do out in the open. 
Essentially, Gideon is taking his lunch money money, and hiding in the handball courts so that the bullies don't steal his money. He's cowering and hiding. He is timid. And he receives this call to lead an army into battle. And he questions this. He says, I'm not brave. My clan is the weakest. I am the least in my family. Is there even a God? Are you even here for us? He questions this. He is fearful. And he tests God multiple times. Eventually decides to step into it. Decides to do it in it any, do it anyway. Obey that call. And it's after those steps that he starts being seen as this mighty and brave warrior for the Lord. And he starts trusting God after that step of obedience. Gideon didn't go in with courage, and we might not either. But God meets us where we are at. And as we take those small steps of obedience and faith, even when it's awkward, he has promised that he will be with us always. He will meet us there. Now let's look at some research on breaking down barriers. Because psychologists have actually studied the tension people feel around awkwardness. There was a study in 2012 when they gathered 30 participants and put them in a room with chairs grouped into threes. For the first few minutes, they didn't give any instruction. And then afterwards, the group was prompted to have various tasks and interactions with each other. The researchers bring the group into another room and have them watch video footage of the interactions that they had just had. And they handed each of the participants a sliding scale, and they said, okay, we want you to watch this footage of yourselves and rate how awkward you felt during each part of the study. The researchers aggregated the data, and as you can imagine, they found situations that made everyone feel awkward. Not knowing what to do, those ambiguous situations, interruptions, missing social cues. But there were four kinds of moments when perceived awkwardness plummeted. One, sharing common interest. Two, when one person helped another person. Three, when one person was positive about another person. And four, humor. Interestingly enough, even when the humor was about how awkward everything felt, it still worked to disfuse discomfort. So, when you're feeling awkward, rather than running away, which we probably all want to do, try using these strategies. Look for what you have in common with the people around you. Help someone. Encourage or compliment one another. And if all else fails, be funny. Lastly, ask good questions. A few years ago, I was working at the Union Gospel Mission Camp up in Spokane. Um, It is for at-risk children, and a lot of these kids had rough home lives and had such amazing hearts but were very, very closed off. And one night... In the chapel, the speaker got up, and he got a poster board and handed all the kids post-it notes. And he asked the kids the question, 
What is one thing you wish someone would tell you? Responses flooded and filled the poster board. The kids really wanted to answer this question. Responses ranged from the really silly, that a dinosaur would walk me to school instead of my brother, or that I lived on the moon and it was made of cheese, to the absolutely heart-wrenching, I wish someone would tell me that I mattered. I wish someone would tell me that I wasn't ugly. I wish someone would tell me I belonged. I wish someone would tell me they loved me. If these questions were not on your radar, you probably wouldn't ask. I know I wouldn't have. Without that question, we would have no idea there was a need. Questions are powerful. There's a reason Jesus asked 307 of them. They have the power to discover real needs. They have the power to unveil wounds that need to be healed. They have the power to give life and voice to those who don't feel heard. They have the power to teach the asker something, if the asker is willing to listen. And they have the power to turn strangers into neighbors. If we're going to be real disciples, we need to learn how to ask good questions. If you struggle with starting the conversation, then a good starting place is to Google good conversation starters. Google good quest, good get to know you questions. If you need help continuing the conversation, practice using follow-up questions. When someone tells you what they do, ask what part of their role they're most passionate about. There is always opportunity to dive deeper if you are willing to move past the awkward and show interest in the person across from you. Now, it's your turn. In the spirit of embracing the awkward, we're going to break up into groups of three to four with people around you. We're only going to spend three minutes, and we're going to ask this question. What is one awkward step you will take this week? Go ahead and break up into groups. I'll be right back. Fifteen more seconds. Let's come on back together. Great to see all this conversation and willingness to be awkward. Yes. So, search for ways this week to do this in your neighborhood. Or look for ways here. We have Karis Serve Day or investing in the life of a student once a week for 30 minutes. Yes, I see some of our lunch buddies cheering. Be a lunch buddy or a reading mentor. There's Canby Cares too, as we walk alongside the community. Maybe if you feel like you need more practical training or empowerment, we have our ministry training institute where you can learn how to share the gospel in effective ways. We have a table out in the lobby to learn more about these opportunities. But know your willingness to embrace the awkward can make a difference, whether it's here with this church family or out in your neighborhood. 
Some of you may be uncomfortable with this. So let's figure out together as a church family how to do this. It may be messy. It may be awkward. But in the process, let's love our community while we figure it out. If you would like extra support or encouragement in this area, we'll have prayer teams on the side. Come meet them up front after service. Let's walk alongside this together because we want to support and walk alongside you in this journey of loving our neighbors well. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time to gather. Thank you that you did not shy away from the awkward. You came to this world. You showed us love even when it was awkward and uncomfortable and you weren't afraid to cross barriers. Lord, help us to do the same. Be our example. Holy Spirit, empower us. We love you. We praise you. In your precious name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.